2: The Bruce Bursuly Show podcast is brought to you by hemispherecoffeeroasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at hemispherecoffeeroasters.com. Money Monday on the answer, which means it's time for a conversation with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Catch Josh and I on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show Friday night at 7 and Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. and avail yourself of Josh's YouTube channel where the concepts we talk about, you can pause, you can rewind, you can take notes, search Josh Pick Finance on YouTube. So, Josh, uh, let's talk about something we hit on last week, and that's the cost of living increase in Social Security. A lot of people are dependent upon Social Security for their retirement, or at least it's a piece of their retirement. And if you are getting Social Security and relying on it, uh, there apparently is a way that the government is trying to keep up with inflation with a cost of living increase, and it's a big one.
1: Yeah, you know, I guess this is some good news, bad news. You know, the good news is you're getting quite a raise in Social Security, the estimate looks like it's going to be in the high 8% range, I think 87 was what was released.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, that's a great thing, but that also points to the fact that we're in an inflationary time. So, you know, it seems like, as of late, we've talked about this on the, on the Friday and Saturday show quite a bit, it seems like every piece of news that you get that's good has some bad with it these days. And I think Social Security is no different. Uh, I guess the good news is, um, in the past, Uh, Every client I've talked to has always said, that's great, they're going to give me an increase, but then they'll turn around and gobble it right back out with Mm -hmm. the increase in Medicare premiums. And that has not happened this year. We actually did get some reprieve. So hopefully, um, as it's easy to throw stones at Washington these days, but hopefully this was a result of some of the uh, new initiatives that the uh, presidential uh, uh, position has taken on Medicare and negotiating prescription drugs that we've actually, we're going to see a decrease and the cost of Medicare by about 5 bucks, which might not sound like a lot, but last year uh, we saw one of the biggest increases in Medicare in, I think, uh, two decades or so, uh, somewhere around 14%. And they're going to take about half of that back. So your Medicare is actually going to go down simultaneously where your Social Security going up, which uh, is a darn good thing because that very, very rarely happens.
2: Yeah, it does very rarely happen. You're right. We've talked before about how when you get a number here, it might Look good, but it does often have something attached to it that uh, looks bad. So that's an interesting development uh, regarding Medicare because I know that's something that's hotly debated. We're talking with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a little bit north of the 270 23 interchange. And you can set up a free consultation with Josh and his team. Aptus Wealth website is aptuswealth.com, and their phone number is six one four nine one seven. 1040. So we got the inflation number last week, we got a bunch of numbers, and we have the Fed meeting again in early November right before the midterm election. Uh, a lot of people expect the Fed to raise rates again, and they project what that's going to be. But what are, the, what are other indicators out there, Josh, that maybe would uh, give us a hint of where the markets or where the challenges are going to be? Are there indicators that people are watching in advance of the Fed meeting there in early November? Yeah,
1: there's there's Quite a few actually, but if we look at, you know, just what happened, what's happening this week, uh, over 60 companies in the S&P 500 are going to release their earnings. And what happens when they do that, whether their earnings are positive or negative, believe it or not, doesn't always make the biggest difference. What matters is kind of what the forecast was and how close they come to the forecast. So for example, you could have a company that reports that their earnings are up, you know, uh, 10% but analysts believed that they were going to be up 20%, and that was already kind of priced into the market, which then will have the stock pull back, even though it showed a positive quarter. And obviously there's the the companies that don't do nearly as well or even have a loss of earnings, and obviously that will negatively affect them, but that could even be positive. So I guess the takeaway is anytime you have an earnings week, it usually points towards some sort of significant movement in the market. And when you think about 60 companies of the S&P 500, we're talking about over 10 12% of the companies in the S&P 500 are probably going to have some significant movement this week. There's a lot of other indicators. Uh, you know, when we talk about when the Fed meets and in November and what are they going to do with interest rates and what are housing starts, and there's, there's a myriad of different things you can point to, all of which don't necessarily accurately predict what the market's going to do but can point towards – you know, increase volatility. So at least, you know, uh, maybe this week's going to be one where I'm going to have to exercise a little bit more patience than normal.
2: Josh Pick, Aptus Wealth Management, our guest, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S. Uh, earnings reports, are they always viewed by people in a way that uh, is, uh, we talk about a lot about purposeful and not getting a, into a panic situation. Uh, do earnings reports, can they, be unfairly judged for a company if a company is good can it have a quarter that instantly everything turns bad and you should run from it or how volatile or how much impact should one earnings report be given when you're weighing that as a potential investment
1: well it depends on how you're analyzing your investments and let me give you an example i think we've talked uh at quite length uh, on the weekend show about how does one value a company so i know i'm buying stocks and it seems like a mystery as to why I would want to buy one stock versus the other. But a lot of it points back to what am I paying for the stock? So, for example, if you were going to come in and buy you know, my company, you have some sort of multiples of earnings. Well, if, if this company is generating $100,000 worth of net revenue, I might be willing to pay four or five times that number for the company, go get a loan, pay back the loan, and then it's all gravy moving forward, and I hope I can grow the company, et cetera. And, you know, that multiple is hinged on both what the company, but also what people it will generate in the future. So a fast-growing company would have a higher multiple, arguably, than maybe a company that's been around a long time and is a little more stodgy and kind of just plugging along. Um, Those multiples can kind of get out of whack. And, you know, you could actually have an earnings report that looks very favorable. This company brought in a billion dollars last year and now brought in a billion, too. And the stock goes down, and you go, what the heck happened there? Yeah. Well, because the evaluation of the stock was based upon people thinking it was going to go up by 50% everything. You know, there's a lot of, uh, in the short run, and that's what we, we oftentimes talk about, how you need to somewhat ignore the short run. In the short run, you have a lot of speculators, and you have that in every industry. and in every uh, You have it in the farming industry. You have it everywhere. So you have these speculators trying to guess what's going to happen. But that doesn't necessarily have a dramatic effect on what a company is going to do in the long run, which is why we all know that the only way to invest in companies and in stocks is to be in for the long haul, where you're just a speculator, which is just fancy speak for your gambling.
2: Yeah. And that's, I think, interesting to me and to the people who are contemplating coming in for their free consultation at six one four nine one seven ten forty at 1040 at aptuswealth.com. It seems to me like your day must be spent looking at myriad reports and trends and all this stuff. Take me through a, a typical day when you're not meeting with clients. Uh, how much of your day is research and how much of your day is adjusting to what your research shows you? Like, take me into the typical day for Josh Pick and what you do at Aptus Wealth Management.
1: Well, there's there's multiple layers. I think you're speaking specifically on how do we decide what the mix of investments is that we use for mm-hmm. different clients. Yeah, and we're pointed in that direction obviously by a lot of things. You know, certain clients just don't have the appetite, the desire, or the you know the heart to invest any money in the market. And, and hopefully, fortunately for them, they have enough in the way of resources that maybe they don't even need to be in the market and they can invest in other ways. But for most people, uh, they're going to have some form of money or some percentage of their money in the stock market. And how we decide where that money is, is like you said, through a lot of analyst reports, a lot of just common sense investing, historical data to determine kind of what the right mix is. And by mix, I mean, there are growth stocks, value stocks, large stocks, small company stocks, international stocks. There's there's a myriad of choices out there. And there is a logical mix at certain times. And that does not mean that we're day trading. It means that Sometimes we might lean into value or growth, and sometimes we might say that the market looks a little bit too uh, overpriced, and maybe we just kind of want to lean back a little bit into something a little more conservative. Now, fortunately, um, my day is not comprised by looking at a screen of uh, red and green stats flowing through the screen every single second of the day and picking individual stocks. We use money managers for that. But that mix is something that we take very seriously and we focus on Uh, You know, constantly think of it as several times a week. But the majority of my job is dealing with clients and quarterbacking their financial situation and deciding, you know, what asset category makes the most sense for them to get them to their goals. How do we take advantage of tax law? How do we make sure if something happens to them that their beneficiaries or spouse is taken care of? All of the kind of contingency planning to make sure that your plan doesn't get derailed. And then we'll find the best money managers to employ to do that.
2: Yeah, my wife and I sat for the consultation and then decided to go with Josh and Aptus because we gained that peace of mind and that understanding. And we we're really very impressed with the way that they balance the risk in a portfolio. You can set up your free consultation at 614-917-1040 or com. Josh, great to have you. We'll talk to you again on Friday.
1: Thanks, Bruce. you
2: Uh, Well, despite what uh, ice cream Joe Biden says, munching on a waffle cone double dip over the weekend, that inflation is a worldwide phenomenon and things are bad in, you know, Sri Lanka. So you should be happy here. Uh, The CBS News YouGov poll portends trouble for our president in the midterms. Oh, if only. Sixty five percent of those polled felt like the U.S. economy is getting worse compared to only 15% who believed it was getting better. That means 15% of the people are stupid. 20% said the economy was staying the same. Not for me, it's not. 63% said gas prices in their area were going up, compared to 13% who said they were going down. 68% of the people said the Biden administration could be doing more to combat inflation, while 30% said the administration was doing everything that it could. That tells me that 30% of the people are so locked into supporting Democrats that results don't matter. That's what that says.
0: You know what bothers me most about his statement you played earlier?
2: Yes. With the chairs. Worldwide inflation. Just come on.
0: That his first concern was the world. Yeah, the world. Take care of business at home and the world will follow. Well, we can't
2: do that, Alan, or we would be America first. And if you're America first, then you can't be a Democrat just not possible now i think some of the reasons why the biden polls are so bad i genuinely believe people would not have made joe biden president if the hunter biden story got the attention it would get if the hunter biden story were the donald trump jr story or the eric trump story but now everybody who denied that the hunter biden laptop story was a story now admits that it is a fair story and we await Hunter Biden to be indicted. And I've, as I've told you, he will be indicted for tax evasion and he will be indicted for uh, some kind of gun uh, crime and not registering himself, not admitting he's a drug addict when he registered for a gun. So they're going to give him a parking ticket compared to what they could give him related to his business with the Ukraine and with China, which is what they got Paul Manafort for and what they got Michael Flynn for. But now, in hindsight, I think it's entertaining, at least, to hear the explanation. Because, you know, if you're a big TV news executive, you still, at this juncture, after realizing you blew it on the Hunter Biden story, you have to have some kind of an explanation because you can't just say, well, I wanted Joe Biden to be president, so I wasn't going to put anything out there that was really, really bad, even though that's the real explanation. So here is Jeff Zucker, who's fired at CNN at some symposium roundtable over the weekend, asking about... Uh, why did you not pay any attention to the Hunter Biden laptop story at the time?
0: I believe they know this because I talked about it on air. I think that the Hunter laptop this is a moderator was worthy to of more airing than it received right before the election. Either of you agree with me on that? This is do you Zucker. regret do you regret how about if I ask it this way, specifically, do you regret Still not dealing with it before the election?
2: Now Zucker.
3: Well, I mean I think I think we the question is we did deal with it but to the degree that, you know, you would, you would have thought was appropriate. I think the answer is in the, in the final two weeks, you know, it was looked at. We did not know enough about it. There was not, you know, there was not within two weeks of the election the ability when the messenger on that story was Rudy Giuliani, okay? No, I mean, but I mean, that, that's the problem. It's like you're going to give a lot of legitimacy to Rudy Giuliani delivering, you know, he's got the goods. So part of the issue with that story was who was delivering the goods, okay? That's one. That doesn't mean that we didn't look into it. We did, we did look into it. But first of all, you know, with regard to the son of the candidate, you know, he was the son of the candidate. He wasn't the candidate. The question that you'll come back with is, well, but what role did the candidate play in, in his business dealings? You know, frankly, uh, with 10 days or two weeks to go, uh, it was looked at by very credible organizations, including the Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal, and they found nothing at that time. Okay? So my point is, it's easy to say we should have spent more time on that. Listen, do I think it's legitimate to look at? Sure. Do I think that, like... It's it's a legitimate criticism to say that in the 10 days, 14 days prior to the election, you didn't spend enough time on it?
2: Not really. Still denying that he made a mistake, essentially. Now, it's interesting to me. Um, we did deal with it. I guess ignoring it is dealing with it. You just decide you're not going to do it. That's deciding. That's dealing with it. It's not dealing with it appropriately. He said the messenger was Rudy Giuliani. Um. I think the messenger was the guy at the computer repair store who had the hard drive. And I think you could have if you were CNN, and trust me, having been in many news organizations over the years, this is how you play it. If you don't want to own the story, if you can't verify it yourself, you simply say, the New York Post is reporting X. The New York Post is reporting this. We don't know if it's right or not. How many people cite the Washington Post? How many people cite the New York Times? How many people cite news organizations? They're reporting this. All the time you attribute it to other news organizations, so you're not saying, I believe it, but this is what's out there. This is what's in the news.
0: Isn't the catchphrase allegedly?
2: Alleged, isn't, isn't, allegedly isn't reportedly. The, yeah, you the, can just say that it's being reported by somebody else. They verified it. They got sources. We can't verify it. They're reporting this. They might be right. They might be wrong. They're reporting it, and we're reporting what they're saying. Allegedly. Uh, the other... And I don't have time to play this for you. Well, I guess maybe I do have time to play this. So here's the uh, knucklehead Phil Griffin from MSNBC. He was never arrested. Uh, the Justice Department was looking to it, never reported it until he is the son of a candidate. I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's a main story until that happens. Okay, so he was never arrested. And he wasn't the main candidate. So I don't think it's a story. Now, I don't watch MSNBC, so I don't really know the answer to this. I know the answer. Why I'm laughing. Did they report on the Russia collusion matter while Donald Trump was a president? Because to my knowledge, Donald Trump wasn't arrested then, and he still hasn't been arrested for anything related to Russia. They talked about it around the clock. If his filter is you have to be charged for us to report it, I'd like to go back to 1994, when Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were killed. Did MSNBC hold off on mentioning O.J. Simpson as a suspect in the case? Only after he was arrested? I'm guessing no on that. I'm guessing no. This is obviously a big fat lie by Phil Griffin of MSNBC and by Jeff Zucker. Neither one of them wanted Donald Trump to be president. For a second term. It was very apparent from their reporting of their networks. All throughout the Trump presidency. And I think these kinds of answers. These ongoing continual denials. Of what we all know is true. Should. And I hope will. Result in people saying. You know if we continue to give these people. The power they have now. We are, in essence, giving them more power because we're giving them power for a longer duration. And what they've done to free speech, to the presumption of innocence, they're going to continue to do it because it's no different than what I talked about at the beginning of the show. Juvenile crime in Columbus is escalating. Why? Because we don't punish it when it happens. If you don't punish these people when they do what they have done, When they obfuscate, lie, and give you phony baloney justifications, they're going to keep doing it and do worse.